This is the City Place Church Podcast. Here at City Place, we build dreams, ignite faith, and establish leaders that win the lost for God's kingdom. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are empowered by the message. Hey, City Place, Pastor Damon, and I want to welcome you to City Place Church Online. I hope that you had a great week. Listen, last week, Pastor Ty talked about hello, ambition, and I pray that you paused and realized how amazing the moment that Jesus had in the wilderness really was. There's so much that we can learn from Scripture, but how much more when Jesus is literally leading the way for us. On behalf of everyone at City Place Church and my wife, Taisha, again, I welcome you to City Place Church. Now listen, I want you to do me a favor. In my hand, I have all of the resources that's gonna be able to make service available to you in the smoothest and most excellent way. I want you to hop on your device, hop online, and download today's message notes at cityplacechurch.com backslash notes. Trust me, you are going to want to follow along. We, we believe here that the Word of God is living and it's sharp and it's powerful and it literally applies to your life today. And so as you're hearing the Word of God come forth today, I challenge you to lean in level 10. Come on, y'all remember that? Lean in level 10. That's when we remove the distractions. We engage in today's message and we take notes. The Word of God is powerful and we don't just want it to be one moment of time. We want to dive in and allow the Holy Spirit to pull us farther and further into the Word of God. And so you can download today's message notes right there um, on your smart device, on your computer, whatever it may be. I also want to encourage you to share today's message. Come on, right now, everybody, right where you are. Come on, look, I got my, I want you to share today's message to your family and your friends. Last week I was preaching uh, in, a, in, a, in a church and service was at 10, 1030 and I was able to hop on and say hello to those of you who are watching. And so today, will you share today's message and like as well, no matter what platform you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, we'd want to just make sure that everyone has an opportunity to hear the word of God today. And at service today, you also have an opportunity for us to partner together and worship God in our tithe and our offering. We believe that our church has been positioned to live to give. And we not only give outside of our church missionally, but we also are believing God for our own facility to where we will be a pillar in our community. And the kingdom of God and the vision of God advances through partnership. And so we just believe that as we worship God with our kingdom finances, all of the things that he would put in place for us to accomplish the vision is set. And so listen, I want you to prepare your hearts because we're gonna jump into the word of God and there's some things happening at our church that we want you to be a part of, like baptism and next steps. And so I'm gonna step aside and then when we come back, we're gonna continue, hello, ambition. Welcome to City Place Church. Well, good morning, City Place. Are you excited and ready for the word this morning? I hope that you are. Go ahead and say, I'm ready, Pastor Ty. I'm ready. I'm ready for the word. Who is ready? Well, last week we started off with our series called Hello, Ambition. And for those of you who may have missed, we're going to give you the three second Cliff Notes version. It's when Jesus, we see the journey of him being baptized. He goes in for the first time in all of the years. There's 18 what we called shadow years last week where Jesus was largely unknown in scripture. We see him as a baby. He ended up in the temple when he was 12. And then we don't hear anything of what happens to Jesus for 18 years. 
During this time, Jesus busts out on the scene and we see him as he's preparing to be baptized by his cousin, John. Now, you would think that the story ends there and we have a great crescendo and that's the end of our story, but it's not actually true. It says in the Bible that, that Jesus immediately leaves that experiences, that experience rather, and is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And last week we learned a couple of lessons about what Jesus experienced there and the four tests that he needed to pass. You know, this morning we're going to continue our time in this topic of hello ambition because as we began to really over the last couple of months or so uh, go through and journey together this series, Dream Again, there's all kinds of things that you've been telling us has been awakened in you. For so many of you, you've been writing in and saying, you know, Pastor, you are birthing something in me that I thought was dormant for a long time. You're rebuilding in me and rebreathing in me a dream that was there even since my youth. Some of you have sent testimonies of how you've made it into college or new businesses that you're starting or ways that you feel like God is restoring. And I, I myself have journeyed just as you have through the series Dream Again, and it's been so impactful. But I sat on that as we were going through the series together and I was, uh, all, some things were being awakened in me as well. And I thought about this idea and God brought this, this memory back to my remembrance. I remember I was about 17 years old and I was in my senior year of high school and we had a, a senior ending service where everyone in my class received a sort of accolade. And so I was waiting for my name to be called, what would my classmates consider of me? You know these kinds of activities, it's the funniest or the most likely to be on TV. Well, I went to a performing arts high school where there was a ton of creative, ambitious, overly energetic, well-achieving folks. So I sat in my seat thinking, what would my peers think of me? What would the people that I had journeyed through the last four years and, and truly in my middle school years as well, what would they think of me? My name was called and they said, Taisha, we consider you most likely to succeed. Now for most people, the thought of being most likely to succeed would be a great honor. And truth be told, it was an honor to be thought of in that way by my classmates. But so many years later, as I look back on that experience, the first thought that came to my mind was, that's a lot to keep up with. The idea of succeeding in the eyes of my peers is a lot to keep up with. And this is because, like we talked about last week, the idea of ambition. In fact, we talked about the definition last week. We talked about the synonyms. It's people who are go-getters. They're innovative. They're creative. We put all kinds of labels on ambitious people. We said it was somebody who showed a strong desire and a determination to succeed. They're progressive. They're eager. They're avid. They're motivated. They're driven. They're zealous, assertive, and energetic. They're hungry and purposeful. But I asked this question last week and it's worth us revisiting this morning as we discuss this idea of ambition. Because now in my adulthood, I have realized all of these years later that there's not a time where we see at least what I've always assumed as ambition in the Bible. In fact, we talked about what does God actually think or say about our thoughts of ambition. 
You see, if we don't understand the biblical definition of ambition, of being assertive and driven and having goals in all of the things that we've awakened through things like the Dream Again series, if we don't understand it from a biblical context or worldview, then we scratch our heads during times where God is doing something, but it's not so evident. On times where we're working or serving or quiet or trusting or waiting, we mistake those opportunities as unproductive or even shadow years. When in fact, God is telling us your idea of ambition and mine might be slightly different. Last week, we talked about this, this thought and perhaps for those of you who are just joining us for the first time this week, you would be able to easily answer this question and it's found in your notes this morning. Many of us would be able to answer the question in our own way. I thought that I would be by now. What is it that's in your heart, a dream that you once had, a thing that you're hoping for, even in an area where you've laid before the Lord? You said, I'm praying about this. I'm, I'm thinking this through. I'm hoping I can start a business. I, I thought I would be rocking the baby by now. I thought I would have advanced in my job by now. I thought that I would have the business by now. Each of us in our own special way have a time where we fill in the blank. And the question for you and I is, like Jesus, will we understand and process that when God takes us through years of preparation or even shadow, that God is up to something? We talked about last week how there are three danger signs of our ambition. Ways for us to not get it twisted, not be confused at God's kind of ambition and advancement in ours. We said that the first warning sign was exhaustion. When we're doing things in our own exertion, our own will, our own energy, and we said physical, emotional, and spiritual draining is a warning sign. Warning! You may be working in your own strength. The second thing that we said last week is a, a danger sign of, of ambition in a raw natural form was fruit shortage. We said that when God is doing something, Galatians tells us there's the fruit of the Spirit, peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. If those things are absent in our life, Perhaps there's an absence of God's presence. Places where we need to breathe into and not run from. And the third and final danger sign for us that we talked about was this idea of rush. We said that there was never a time in God's word where we see Jesus telling people, hurry up. But yet there's so many times where we are in a rush from point A to point B whether that be getting somebody in the car or through traffic or you wanting somebody to speed up when they're telling you a story, all of our lives are set to the rhythm of rush. You see, this morning I want to take a small deviation as we begin to add upon what we now know in ambition and talk this morning about something slightly different. When we think about ambition, as we learned about last week, we saw some danger signs, but what are the ways that God can take the thing that he is birthing, that he can build on the thing that is already in you, that he does breathe on our dreams. What are the ways that actually honor God according to his word related to our ambition? In order for us to understand this, we have to understand how God has always wanted to communicate with his people. We are in fact covenant in covenant relationship with Christ as believers. God has always desired to have a relationship with his people. In fact, as you see here in this graphic, there's God and the ways that he has communicated with his people. 
in Genesis, we see that this was uninhibited. There was no uh, intermediary. It was God and his people. We see this in the Garden of Eden where there was direct communication. There was a bat line, so to speak. As people that populated the earth, they well became people. They did what people do. They created wedges and systems and rituals. And this is where we see the introduction in scripture of judges, priests, and prophets. And for the sake of our time today, I'm gonna just call this group priests. This was the group that uh, was appointed by God to bridge the gap between the people and God himself. God used this particular group of people to set order, to set regulation, to put systems in place, to deal with sin, to help initiate and pull out gratefulness, and even for the people to put things and systems in place so that they would remember God. God used judges and priests and prophets to tell of time to come, but also to bring a people back to their God. Then over the course of time, there was not only just priests, people that would bridge the gap between the people and God, but there were also set in position kings. Kings were individuals that were appointed to be leaders of people. It's interesting because God himself, as we see the group of, of priests, actually appointed the priests. But the kings were appointed by one another. That wasn't exactly the case in the most original of days. And today, as we dive into hello, ambition, we're going to actually go through the very initial stages of calling of the first king. You may be familiar with King Saul because you're familiar with King David. But today we're going to break down the calling of Saul. And I believe that that direct connection from Saul, as we'll find in scripture, has direct application to you and I. And so if there was a subtitle for today, it would be called The Calling of Kingship. In order for us to really dive into this idea of kings and priests today, there's one more thing that we must say, and that's the purpose of each of these groups. We said earlier that priests were designed to be the bridge and the gap, but the truth is, is that the priests were the vehicle that God used for his presence. The presence of God, communion with God in their lives, and really represents the state of spiritual being. In scripture, though, when we see kings, kings often represent things underneath the surface. And so if we were to give kings what the kind of meaning is in scripture, we would say that kingships, when we see kings appointed or, or new kings identified or, or new kings as they transitioned, it represents for us leadership, the endeavors of everyday life, ambitions, strategy, influence, and tactics. So we bust up on the scene today, and if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, and I hope that you have your notes downloaded this morning at cityplacechurch.com backslash notes. You'll need it for our time together. Uh, we're going to be journeying through the book of 1 Samuel and beginning in chapter 8. Now I have to warn you, we are going to play a little spiritual hopscotch this morning. We're going to jump through a couple of verses because we're going to get the top line uh, understanding of how Saul became king. You see, Saul wasn't, there was no king before Saul. 
There was, there was no one. And so we're going to see this journey in scripture of how kingship came to be and then draw the line back to us as it relates to our ambition. Are you ready in 1 Samuel? Beginning in verse 8, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 8 and verse 1. And so it says, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It's not you they've rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. They've done it from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Let me say this. We open this scene where Samuel, the prophet or the priest, as we have those two categories of kings and priests, the priest is established as the leader of God's people. He is the one that has been doing the dirty work. He is the one that has been bringing the sacrifices. He is the one who has been giving a prophetic voice to the people of God. The people come to Samuel because he's older in years and Samuel has two sons, but the Bible says that his sons were not actually following in the ways of the Lord. This is important for us as we begin to dissect this idea because sometimes in our lives we figure there's a difference between us and the people of God. You've seen it in the news and I have too where people are, are falling or there's, there's big things that happen in places where we place our trust in churches or with church leaders. But let me say it like this. No one, including the spiritual leaders of our day or the biblical day, are exempt from following God in a continual basis. Even Samuel, the prophet of God, his two sons, which in every respect should have been his lineage and the next, and the next uh, uh, prophets that would lead the people. What Samuel realized is it takes work. And let me say this, pause right here, city place. Your relationship, your spiritual relationship with God can't run on fumes. If there's not us all of the time, every day, getting in God's face and in his presence and fervently seeking him, there is a opportunity for those fumes and the, the pursuit of God to wear off. We see this in Samuel as he is rejecting, the people are rejecting him as the leader and they're asking for a king. And Samuel is distraught over this. It's, the Bible says that it greatly displeased him and God says, let me get the record straight. Actually, the people are not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. You see, God never designed for his people to have to run and jump through 10,000 hoops for them to get to him. He wanted to make himself freely accessible to his people, but they were making it difficult by asking for things that they needed not have. You see, other nations had kings and appointed leaders, but God's people didn't need that because they had the all-sufficient God and full access to, to him. So we see this transition from priesthood to kingship. Let's keep reading in Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 
15. Because now we're going to see how there is an anointing that cracks open priesthood to kingship. It says in verse 15 in chapter 9. Now the day before Samuel came, the Lord had revealed this to him, to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel, and he will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I've looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. And Samuel replied, Go up ahead of me to the high place, verse 19, for today you are to eat with me. He's talking to Saul. And in the morning, I will send you on your way and tell you all that is in your heart. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? And Saul answered, but I'm not a Benjamite. I'm, I'm just from the smallest tribe of Israel. And is not my clan the least of all of the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? And as they were going down, verse 27, to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go ahead, go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. And then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you to rule over his inheritance. Last verse, beginning in chapter uh, 10, verse 6, And Samuel said to Saul, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. And once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Verse 9, And as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all of these signs were fulfilled that day. And when he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. And when all those who had formerly known him as prophesying and, and with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? Kings. So often we think of the role of kingship just as we talked about earlier. These are the folks that are supposed to rule us and lead us. We don't often think of kings being ones that are anointed. For some of us, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard of the story of Saul as an anointing start. Kings are typically our leaders. They are ones with charisma. They are ones with little fear, the ones that take us into battle. Can you think about the times in your life where God has actually called you to be a king? These are the areas of your life where you have influence, where you have leadership, where people look to you for direction. Maybe that's in your home or at your job or, or in one of the strategies that you will bring to a new endeavor. There are times in our lives where God calls us into kingly roles, where leadership roles, areas of influence, where we must boldly declare what God has spoken where we lead other people into new territory. But it's important for us to understand that even as we model the kingship and the anointing of Saul, that it's foolish for us to think through these kinds of activities, even having ambition or having direction or having clarity, having a to-do list, having goals and dreams without God starting. 
Our first point, and this is found in your notes, and this is very important to lay the backdrop of our time today, is that there is a calling to kingship. It says in uh, Samuel verse, uh, 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took the flask of olive oil, and he poured it on Saul's head. And he kissed him, saying, Has the Lord not anointed you ruler? You see, we see here in this scripture that God just doesn't anoint. We don't just get to separate that, oh, if you are anointed, then you're going to just do godly things. Then all you're going to do is preach and teach. He wasn't anointing another prophet. He was anointing a ruler. And in our day, in 2021, when we do the things, when we lead people, when we have charisma, and when we lead boldly, that we need the anointing of God to do this work. It's not important for us to exclude ourselves as ministers. We are ministers of Christ. We are entrusted with influence. But at the helm of that, at the start of that process, is an anointing. We talked about some of the danger signs earlier today. We said one of the, the danger signs was exhaustion. And it's so often when people come to us in ministry and they say, Pastor, I'm exhausted. I have, to, I have to cut off my ministry responsibilities or I have to stop doing what I'm doing. I have to stop my, my extra endeavors. And when we unpack people's dreams and their ambitions and their to-do lists, my question is always the same. Talk to me about how God started that business. Talk to me about how God told you to pursue the relationship or the hobby or the dream or the job. Fill in the blank. When we take these things on, sometimes we take on ourselves these ambitions, these natural things that come into our life that are meant to give us additions to our life and not take anything away, but it does not preclude us from the need of Jesus calling us in to it. There is a calling to kingship. You know, but it's so important that when we understand the calling of God, we see this through Saul because uh, the Bible says that, that Samuel gave Saul specific instructions. He said, you're going you're gonna to be anointed and then I have something for you to do. You are king, in fact, and we're going to make that public. I'm going to bring you to the dinner. The Bible says we write it together. But he says, come up with me. We're going to, be, uh, we're going to go to a separate dinner and in Samuel, we see that he gave him a separate meal. I'm going to set you aside and set you apart. But it didn't come with a free lunch. In fact, we know that Saul was a leader. There was a Philistines that were all surrounding the Israelites. And Saul was the one that would take them and lead them into various victories and keep the enemy at bay. What does it mean for us? It means that as we journey through our time with the Lord, as we have various ambitions, as we take and wrap our ambitions, we must understand that even if God calls us at the beginning, it is still our responsibility to maintain the calling. I say it like this, and this is also found in your notes. Every call comes with a grace, a pace, and an anointing. Every call comes with the grace. Grace is the capacity for us to handle what God has entrusted us with. And so often when people come, as I said earlier, and, and they say, Pastor, I'm overwhelmed. And I unpack it and I say, let's go back to the calling. They say, hmm, I don't have a moment. My question back is, then how do you know that you have the call? Has God in the anointing process, he gives you a grace to handle it. What I didn't read is, is the fact that Saul says, no, 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 I've come from the smallest tribe. You got the wrong one. He's getting ready to be shown to the people and Saul is hiding himself in the luggage. 
He's blending in with the environment. He's feeling like I'm an imposter in this new space. You see, when God anoints you for something, he will put you in places that feel overwhelming to you. But when he's anointed you, he will give you a grace for your calling. God also gives us a pace. He sets the rhythm of our life. You see, where does God get the glory when we lead lives that are incredibly burnt out and we're snapping at people and we're running on fumes and we have no energy for the people that are closest to us? Tell me, where does the God get the glory when our rhythm is out of step? When God calls us to something, he calls us to a pace. And lastly, every calling comes with an anointing. And see, this is where we want to spend the remainder of our time today because so often we, in our own minds, separate the anointing natural and spirit. We think of the anointing as only living over here in the spirit. But what about if I told you this morning that when God calls you and he anoints you to something, that he anoints you also in the natural? What do you mean by that, Pastor Ty? Well, we see it found in Jesus where he begins to show us just this idea. Because, see, the idea of Jesus coming to the earth, there was God and his people that we talked about in the beginning, and then there were kings and there were priests. We talked about that in the beginning as well. But when Jesus pops on the scene, he says, I am, this is, I am the incredible gap builder. I am the bridge in human form. I am the one that connects this with that. And because of Jesus, we see the narrowing of the gap. And in doing so, Jesus is saying, you believed. You're the ones who separated out God and the ability to access God from your everyday life. I never did that. My father never did that. You are the one that created sin and the picture and there was a natural wedge between you and I. You are the one that created yourselves high priests and rituals and rules that must be followed. But I came to be the bridge so that you could reclaim your direct access that you once had in the garden. See, so often we create for ourselves this idea that God has a wedge between our natural lives and our spiritual lives. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we must close the gap. Our job is to close the gap in our natural lives to our spirit lives and not pretend for a moment that it's up to us to figure out the natural things and it's up to God to handle the spiritual things. God says this in, uh, in, in 1 Samuel, rather, in chapter 8, it says, Then the Lord told them, listen to all that the people are saying. He's told this to Samuel. It's not you. They've rejected. Listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. But they have rejected me as their king. See, that would be easy for us to think about God as they've rejected me as their God. But that's not what God says to Samuel. That's not what he says to Samuel when Saul was originally appointed king. He's saying the people crying out and asking for a king, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me as their king. Meaning I was always here to be the God that would be both natural and spirit to them. I was always the one that was here to do the everyday mundane things of their life. I was always the one to be here for their natural areas of influence, but they only made me God and never invited me to their natural being. They turned away from me. They've rejected me. This is what the Lord said, and it's our job this morning 
to close the gap. But I have to tell you, even as we bridge this gap and close the gap, there is a responsibility that we still must have. And that is this. The natural and the spirit operate differently. We must understand that we have to start, stop, and war differently in each setting. Here's what I mean by that. You might take a, a, an example of something that we're talking about today, ambition. And how would we potentially say that we handle things in the natural as it relates to our ambition? I don't know, why don't you put some things there? Maybe you have a couple of ideas in the chat, throw it on in there this morning. What are some of the ways that you, God, I'm gonna give you my ambition and this is what I'm going to do about it. I have a couple of examples to get us started this morning. Uh, a, lo a lot of times when I am naturally working on something, I take my ambition, I think about setting to-do lists, I think about striving, I think about goal setting, I think about strategizing and planning. These things come easy. And these are things that I handle with my natural forces. But what about what that looks like in the spirit? Same concept of how God calls us to ambition. Same ambition, different environment. So let's step over here to the spirit. So over here in the natural, I've, I've strategized and I've set goals and I've, I've done all the things and made all the plans. Because just because God calls us into the spirit doesn't mean that those things are to be forsaken. So in the spirit, how would we advance our ambition? Why don't you give me a couple of examples of what you think? How would we advance ambition, but not in the natural, in the spirit? Some ways in the spirit feel counterintuitive almost for some of us. I put down here, sometimes in the spirit, advancing our ambition looks like praying. Listening, waiting, fasting, journaling, confirming, getting words of knowledge or advice, mentorship. But wait, I'm trying to work on my ambition. And God says, I'm doing that. I'm just doing it differently than what you think it looks like. If there's anything that we journey through together this morning, it would be this as we close. God wants nothing more than for us to live holistic lives. Ones where unlike Saul, who was appointed king and later removed, and unlike the people who didn't even know what they were asking for, he wants nothing more than for you and I to say, my ambition comes from you. It's God breathed and God designed, but I give it back to you. I said it like this last week, and it's worth emphasizing today. I've never seen a time in the Word where there was a natural gift, whether it be cattle or fruit or first fruits or grain or any other kind of offering or abundance that God provided, just like you and I have this morning as highly ambitious people. I've never seen a time in His Word where there is a gift that was from the Lord that he didn't ask for a sacrifice. And if that's the case this morning, in 2021, we don't have gifts of grain and cattle. We don't have first fruits. We don't have the kinds of, uh, of agriculture the way that they did in biblical days. But we have the gift of your talent. We have the gift of your life. 
We have the first fruits of what comes in to your life to offer back to God because it belongs to him anyway. In order to do that, we wrestle and continue to make advancements with this idea of our ambition. And listen, if God did it and he created you, he knew what he was doing, but he wants nothing more this morning than for you to not separate your natural life from your spiritual life and not fight the same way in your natural life as you do your spiritual life and not start projects and endeavors the same way in your natural life and your spiritual life and to not quit endeavors the same in your natural life, in your spiritual life. I love Paul Jong. He's a, a well-known pastor out of New Zealand. And he, he said this, he said, what's spiritually born must be spiritually fueled. Because spiritual seeds require supernatural environments. You can't rationalize what cannot be rationalized. You can't bring your emotions in to fix it when God is on the move. You can't operate with Jesus on the shelf when you are called to kingship. This morning, you and I are called to kingship. You are called to take that ambition that God himself has placed inside of you and to offer it back to him as a sacrifice this morning. Can I pray with you, City Place? Father, I thank you for every person who's watching this morning. I thank you, Lord, that as we make advancements week after week after week, you are teaching us how to give back to you ambition. You're teaching us what it's like to honor you with our and talents of who we are. God, that you would be pleased with us, that it would be built upon a foundation that pleases your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, City Place Church, right where you are. I pray that your heart has been stirred today. You know, the most important aspect of our relationship is to have a relationship with Jesus. And one of the things that Pastor Ty said this morning that I just wanted to recall is that one quote where it says, what is spiritually born is spiritually fueled. Spiritual seeds require supernatural environments. You cannot rationalize what cannot be rationalized. The Bible says that the way we come to Jesus is the Spirit of God draws us. And this morning you've been sitting here, you've been leaning in, you've been taking notes, and you've been pulled into this very moment right here where you can walk in a relationship with Jesus. You and I don't have to chase the things around us God has positioned us in his kingdom. Pastor Ty was talking about kings and priests. God has positioned us in his kingdom because the spirit of God has drawn us. He's drawing you this morning into a relationship with Jesus. It's the most important relationship that you will ever have. And I know sometimes the things around us, the natural things around us, can sometimes distract us from our spiritual potential in our spiritual relationship with Jesus. But this morning, I'm encouraging you to push aside the natural and leaning to what the Spirit wants to do in your life today.
And Jesus has made it possible through his death, burial, and resurrection for you to have a relationship with the Father. And it would be my honor and Pastor Ty's honor and all of us here at City Place Church to pray a prayer of salvation, which means I recognize that Jesus died and rose again for me and for you. And it would be my honor to pray that prayer with you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say a simple prayer. And there's no power in what I say, but there is power in your faith as it goes to the Father. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, you will be saved. And so right now, City Place, I want all of us to begin to pray because there's some of you who have been away from God and those of you who have never encountered him. And today is your day. We celebrate these moments in our service because we know that heaven is standing ready to party for one person that says yes to Jesus. So right now, right where you are, let's just pray. Come on, everyone, say this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, today I acknowledge that you died for me and that you rose again. And on this Sunday, I choose you freely as my Lord and Savior. I remove the natural and I grab hold of my spiritual relationship with you. I am yours, you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, City Place, can we make some noise for Jesus today? Come on, can we make some noise for Jesus? This is the reason why the church of Jesus exists, so that more people can be brought into the spiritual family of God. Now, remember I told you earlier at the start of our service before Pastor Ty preached that everything that we needed to be involved and to experience excellence in our service was in the palm of my hand. Right now, if you made that decision, I want you to do one next step, but it, it can be done in two forms. One, if you accepted Jesus today or something that Pastor Ty spoke on today really ministered to you, maybe there's something we can pray with you or celebrate with you, or maybe you wanna be a part of Next Steps class, I want you to text City Place, the word City Place, one word, to 94000. Text that, and our team wants to come around you and give you some clear next steps on your walk with God or how to become a part of the City Place family now since you're a part of the family of God. The other thing that's available to you is a virtual Connect card. The same one that is done via text can be found at cityplacechurch.com backslash card. Fill that card out. Let us know the decision that you made today because my wife and I, we want to let you know that you have a family that will encourage you every step of the way. Come on, City Place, can we give Jesus another type? <laughs> type in the comment praise for what he did this morning. Trust me, it is the best decision that you were ever making. As a church, it's our commitment to you to help you along every step of the way. And one of those steps is through our Next Steps class. That's where we discover family and we find our fit. And that takes place immediately following our service in person. We're still working on getting the technology correct for you, but I wanna encourage you to take a next step. So next Sunday, next Sunday, join us in person at our Vista Lakes campus because we would love to say hello and get you plugged in. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not gonna chase ambition. I'm gonna chase the Jesus that died and rose again for me. Now, 
There's one more thing that we're going to do. We're going to celebrate Jesus and we're going to worship with our tithe and our offering. You know, vision in the kingdom of God advances through our worship. It advances through our giving. And at every single opportunity that we have here at City Place Church, the partnerships that you and I have as we bring our tithe and offering to the Lord, it really does advance the kingdom of God. And I said it before during our intro that our vision for our church is to make an impact in our city, is to make an impact in our world, but it's also to be a pillar in our community. And so we're dreaming about our facility. We're dreaming about the place where people will come in from our community and see lives changed. And so I want you to know that not only are we giving to you moms and uh, New Image Community Center and to places in Israel and the places around the world, but we're literally planning for God to open up doors in our city. In fact, can I show you a picture? I was just dreaming, I found a picture of a building that I was just like, let's just see what it looked like if it was ours. And so let me, let me show you this picture just so you can start dreaming with us of, of, of just in case if like this was our auditorium, right? So this is just us dreaming. Is that okay if we dream? It's always good to dream for what God can do in God's house. And so, hey, let me pray. Let me pray. And as we partner together, let's just believe that the kingdom of God will continue to advance together. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the lives being changed today. For those of you, for those that have accepted Jesus today. Father, we ask you to uh, just receive the tithe and the offering as our worship. God, what we do together and it's placed in your hands can literally change our city. Father, we give you the glory and the honor today. Bless our week and let us chase you and not the things in the natural. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, City Place Church, we can't wait to see you back here next week, right here at City Place Church. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And you can share with your friends. Take a screenshot, post on your social media stories, and tag us at City Place Church.